Good morning, everyone. I wanted okay. to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day and especially to all of those mothers in our life. Uh, as I was thinking about the mothers in my life, my grandmothers, my mother, my mother-in-law, and my wife and my daughters who are mothers, uh, it's been such a blessing just to remember them and think about them. And uh, uh, today I considered preaching a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, I did this week listen to a sermon by Adrian Rogers on Mother's Day preaching on Hannah. And I was sorely tempted to borrow his sermon and his outline and so forth and preach it. But uh, God has been uh, speaking to me uh, about another subject. And uh, back in 1959, October the 4th, I preached a sermon from Isaiah chapter 1. And I was tempted to preach that sermon, but as I began to look at it and study it, um, I felt like what it was saying was this is God's way, and we need to get in God's way. And um, one of the things that I remembered back in Taiwan in our Chinese youth hymnal that our young people used in their services, uh, there was a song titled God's Way. Unfortunately, it's not in uh, any of our hymnals that we have here but uh, it really speaks to our heart, and I wanted to use that today. But we're going to begin by reading from Isaiah chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 20. I'm not going to read all of the verses. We'll pick up on some of them later in the sermon. So Isaiah chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzzah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. And that's skipping down to verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And as I said, as I read this, it spoke to me, and that God was revealing to us his way, the way that he wants us to go. and. Uh, uh, as I said, I, I th this song came into my mind, and I got the youth hymnal out and looked at it, and and it blessed my heart again. Uh, I would love to sing it for you, but I don't think you'd want to hear it. But let let me give you the lyrics to this song. It's three stanzas. God's way is the best way, though I may not see. Why sorrows and trials oft gather round me. He ever is seeking my gold to refine. So humbly I trust him, my Savior divine. God's way shall be my way. He knoweth the best. 
and leaning upon him, sweet, sweet is my rest. No harm can befall me, safe, safe shall I be. I'll cling to him ever, so precious is he. Then verse three, God's way is the best way. My path he has planned. I'll trust in him always while holding his hand. In shadows or sunshine, he ever is near. With him for my refuge, I never need fear. And I hope that we can all discover that God's way is the best way. And uh, that is the message of the book of Isaiah. And uh, the several verses I, I wanted to use more, but uh, time constraints, I didn't think we had time. But uh, look at Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. That's God's way. And then Isaiah 2 and 3. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And then Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And as we commit ourselves to the Lord, we read his word, we have his spirit indwelling in us. I pray that each of us in our lives every day, that we will hear that voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it. And so I pray that God will uh, help us as we study this today. And appreciate your prayers for me. Uh, I'm having allergy problems. Uh, I'm trying my brother's uh, remedy for his allergy problems, which is uh, Benadryl. The only problem with Benadryl is it makes you sleepy. So if I go to sleep here at the computer, you'll have to forgive me. But I've got a congregation here in my study, and somebody will punch me, I'm sure. But, but the sad reality, we're talking about living li our lives God's way, the sad reality is that the majority of people in the world don't follow that advice. And uh, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And uh, so many of the people of the world have bought into Frank Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way. And... Uh, instead of doing it God's way and seeking his will in our lives. And uh, three points to the sermon today, uh, and we're just going not going to be able to uh, do these as thoroughly as we like, but uh, God's way is to speak to his people. God's way is to summon his people, and God's way is to save his people. And so uh, speaking first about God's way is to speak to his people. Verse 2 said, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. And then verse 20, 
for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So twice at the beginning and the end of the, our scripture verses today, God says that he has spoken. God speaks to his people, and he speaks in many different ways to us. Uh, he speaks through visions given to the prophets. And Second uh, Peter chapter 1, I think it is, says the holy men of old spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so Isaiah was one of the great prophets of God, and God used him through visions and through God speaking through him and to him to give us the word of God. And so in the beginning of this chapter, it says the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos. God spoke through Isaiah and all of the prophets. And then God speaks to us through creation and through his intervention in history. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. And so uh, God speaks to us, and you can just walk out into the yard and see one tiny insect or a flower, and, and we've got a beautiful oleander uh, shrub in our backyard that's a giant one, but it's just totally loaded down with beautiful red blossoms. And uh, nothing but the wonderful power of God could bring about something like that. And then God speaks to us through his inspired, his inerrant, and his in infallible word. I believe that uh, God wanted to speak to us, and he did it through his word. And over a period of many years, through 40 different men, God spoke to them. God breathed into them his word, and we have it as the word of God. And uh, so God speaks to his people, and he speaks through um, his son, Jesus Christ, who is the living word. This is the ultimate way that God chose to speak to us. And uh, I would like to read uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And what a beautiful, marvelous, wonderful passage of scripture this is, telling us the greatness of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God spoke to him because Jesus Christ came into the world born of Mary, and he revealed to the world God, his love, his sacrifice, his desire to save us, through his mercy and grace. And so, finally, the Lord speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. Thank God that when we are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, he comes to indwell us, the Holy Spirit. We are his temple, and he guides us. He is our teacher. He is our comforter. He is the one who goes alongside of us and uh, makes our lives worthwhile, even 
when we go through difficult times, difficult circumstances, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, he will guide us and teach us. And then the Lord speaks to us through his indictment against the nation. And uh, I'm going to try to go through these in a hurry. Uh, but uh, uh, God, as I said, speaks in many different ways. In the verses 2 through 15, we, we find actually that God is putting us in his courtroom. And he is bringing an indictment against his people, the Jewish nation, because of their sin. And so just very quickly, uh, in verse 2, the people were in open rebellion against the Lord. He said, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Nothing is more heartbreaking to a parent and today to mothers when their children rebel, when they refuse to accept the teachings of God's word. And so God's people here in Isaiah had rebelled against the Lord. Verse 3, they refused to acknowledge God, and spiritually they were dumber than the farm animals around, the, around them. And uh, the verse says, the ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. So we have ancient the example of ancient Israel, God's chosen people. They had his word. They had the law. God sent them prophet after prophet. God sent them leader after leader. And yet they refused to acknowledge him. And uh, they depended and trusted in themselves rather than trust in God. And uh, ancient Israel was that way. Modern America. America, I believe, is maybe the greatest nation that's ever been founded in this world. God built this nation upon the principles of the word of God. And yet, as we look at our nation today and all of the sins that we've committed all the unborn children that have been murdered. Yes, so many other sins that we see taking place in our society and in our country. And God speaks to us today. He indicts us. And later we'll see how he invites us to come into his courtroom. And then verse 4, they had forsaken the Lord and had provoked him to anger. He said, alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. In other words, God had set them on a certain path, a certain way, but they had turned their back on God going the opposite way. Verse 5, they had refused to respond to the Lord's attempts at chastisement. And God said to them in verse 5, Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. And uh, this is perhaps a description of any nation, of any people, of any family, of any individual who 
refuses to respond to God's leading and God's chastisement and God's punishment. And then in verse five and six, it says they were sick spiritually and they desperately needed help. Verse, these verses say the whole head is sick and the whole heart faints from the sole of the foot even to the head. There is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores, they have not been closed up or bound up or soothed with ointment. Like ancient Israel, a spiritual sickness is running rampant throughout our nation today. And we have the example of the coronavirus pandemic that has run rampant through America and around the world. And we ask ourselves the question, could it be the hand of God at work? Could God be using this pandemic to bring nation to our nation back to our knees and bring revival to this nation? I pray that God will do it in a hurry. And then the indictment, violence filled the whole land. Verse 7, your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land and your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And so the literal situation with Israel at that time was they were surrounded by their enemies. Their cities had been attacked and burned with fire by the Assyrian Empire. And uh, maybe it was the Babylonian Empire. And uh, the modern situation here in America, we see the things that are happening here and the possibility that we are in on the brink of economic collapse. Uh, the on the brink of many other tragedies that may befall this nation. Then in many ways, they had become as vile as ancient Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 9 says, unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. And what a sad thing to think that because our nation is turning their back upon God, he may lower the boom on us. He may bring chastisement and punishment and correction to our nation so that we will turn back to him spiritually and put our trust in him. And then the indictment in verses 11 through 13, their religious services were an abomination to the Lord. And he said, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. Yes. We do have so many people in America who are trusting in sacrifices. They're trusting in liturgy and sacraments and other things instead of putting their trust in God and in his word and in his son, Jesus Christ. 
But thank God there is always a remnant. The only thing that had preserved the nation of Israel of the nation of Judah was a small remnant of faithful Jews. Verse 9 says, unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. What a sad thing it is to think that God's chosen people, God who had blessed them and been with them and supplied them when they were trusting in him, and yet they were like Sodom and Gomorrah. And the punishment of God had to rain down on them because of their sin. Point number two, God's way is to summon his people. In verse 18, he says, come, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And uh, the miracle to me is that God would condescend to summon us to come into his presence. Because Isaiah, throughout the book of Isaiah, the favorite term that he uses to describe God is the Holy One, the Holy One. And so he is the Holy One. And yet, being the holy God, he says, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. And we need to remember who this summons is from. This is not a summons from your father. It is not a summons from your mother. This is not a summons from your pastor or the police or the president or anyone else in authority. It is a summons from God, the Holy One, our creator, our God. And he invites us to come into his courtroom. A summons from God, the God of Isaiah, he called the Holy One. He is not angry just to be angry because he is our creator. He is our sustainer. He is our God. And he is the rule of law in the universe. And we have broken his law. And so in this book, this chapter one of Isaiah, God is serving us with a subpoena to come before him so that the evidence, the arguments, the proofs can be presented before the judge of all the earth. God says, come. The miracle to me is that God would condescend to invite us to come to him. Isaiah chapter 55, 1 through 3, precious, precious verses of scripture that says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in the abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. 
Oh, what a blessed scripture this is where God invites us to come. Despite our sinfulness, despite our rebellion, despite, despite our unworthiness, he invites us to come. And uh, there, that last verse, he said, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. And yes, that is the hope, that is the promise that every single individual on the face of the earth has, that if we'll just come to him, listen to him, believe in him, then we will be saved by his marvelous grace. And then the miracle in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all you who are laboring and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a great promise this is. What a great miracle it is that the God of all the earth, the God who created all things, the God that we have rebelled against and turned away from, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our troubles, he invites us to come. He invites us to come to him so that he can bear our heavy burden, so that he can take the yoke upon himself and guide and direct and bless and supply our deed. Because he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Then the miracle in Revelation 22, 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come, and let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So God has summoned us. He has invited us. And the very fact that he has invited all to come is a miracle of his love and grace. And so the message of the summons, he says, let us reason together. And what God is saying, this is a, a courtroom terminology that is that uh, Isaiah is using here. Let us reason together. He says, come into my presence, present the evidence. God is willing to begin a dialogue with us, not to compromise, but to convict us and convert us from our sinful ways to the way of God. And so I pray that we will listen to the summons of God. We would recognize our hopeless condition. We will be convicted by the Holy Spirit to trust him as our Lord and Savior. And no matter who we are, whether we've been Christians for many, many years, or we're a newborn child in the kingdom of God, he invites us to come and trust in him. And yes, we need to rejoice that we have an advocate because if I'm depending upon myself, I have no standing that I can come into the presence of God. Reading again, Isaiah 53, 6, what a great, chapter that is, but it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, 
We have turned everyone to his own way. That's the problem. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 talked about the broad road and the narrow road. And uh, the, the narrow road was sparsely traveled. The, na- the broad road, many people were traveling down that road. The great majority of people, because they had chosen their own way. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12b. He poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressions, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So you see, in verse 6, it says, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He bore my sins on the cross of Calvary, so that through his blood, my sins can be covered and I can be forgiven. And he made intercession for the transgressors. He bore our sins for us. Thank God and praise God for that. And then the third point that we're going to consider today is God's way is to save his people. Isaiah 55, 9 says, And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. See, the purpose of Jesus coming into the world was to save the lost, to save you and me, to save every person that's ever been born from Adam down to the present time. Luke 19.10, a short but very potent verse of Scripture, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so God loves us. Despite our sin and our unworthiness, he loves us. And he has summoned us to come into his presence. And He, the reason for that is that he wants to save us so that we can be his children, be a part of his kingdom. So God's way is to save his people. We're in Acts chapter 4 and 12, and I could have given many, many verses in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, but Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby by which we must be saved. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And so uh, God in these verses in Isaiah, particularly chapter 1, verse 18, come, and, come let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins will be as scarlet, They shall be as white as snow. God wants to forgive all of your sin. He wants to take the blood of Jesus and take the stains of sin and blot them out. Cleanse you from every sin. And I pray that today you will choose God's way and that you will say God's way is always best for me. And closing with the words of a poem, and I don't remember who wrote it, and I don't think it's in a hymn book. 
but uh, it says, in humble faith at Jesus' feet, oh, may I learn a lesson sweet. Whether sun or rain I see, God's way is always best for me. His way may lead through sunny vales or rocky steeps mid stormy gales. The truest course his eye can see, God's way is always best for me. The third stanza, he never bids me go alone, his loving arms around me thrown. My guide, my keeper, he will be. God's way is always best for me. So step by step, in faith and love, I'll walk the path that leads above. Till day shall break and shadows flee, God's way is always best for me. That is my prayer for everyone listening to my voice, that we would choose God's way because God's way is always best for us. And that you would remember that God worked the miracle that invited you to come and trust in Jesus as your personal Savior. And uh, I'm going to ask my wife if she will come and lead us in a closing prayer. Since this is Mother's Day, I pray that um, if you'll give us just a second here and she'll come up here to the microphone. I I should have forewarned her about this. But thank God for our mothers. And I thank God for this sweet lady who is the mother of my children. So Barbara, lead us in prayer. Our Father, we thank you so much for salvation. We thank you for sending your son to die for us, even though we're all sinners, we're all weak and unworthy. We just praise you, Father, for what you've done. We want to pray for all the mothers today, Father, that are in our congregation today. We just pray that you just touch each one of them and make this be the best day that they've had. And, Father, we just thank you again for all your love for all of our children and all of our families. And thank you for our church. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.